0: wild baby wild baby
1: wild baby wild Wild baby baby.
0: welcome back to another episode of wild baby we're your hosts maddie wong and jay beguet colorado-based portrait photographers sharing our personal perspectives and journeys through societal expectations on beauty
1: Wild Baby is here to provide people of color, gender identity, and sexual expression, a safe community that will allow everyone to grow, learn, and heal. Disclaimer, we are not licensed therapists, sexologists, or claiming that we know everything. We are just a community who wants to have interesting conversations that will hopefully allow us to heal. Welcome back to another episode, Wild Babies. Surprise, it's Monday and we're releasing another episode. You're welcome. (laughs) The fact of the matter is, last Friday sucked. It really sucked. As a society, it kind of feels like we failed to protect each other and that has me in a moral dilemma. Within my grieving process through the weekend, I've come to the realization that I need to talk about this and get it out fast. The primary election is ending tomorrow and we're running out of time to take back any sense of control to put better people in place that we know are going to protect us. That being said, I wanted to provide not only me, but our listeners some information in case voting just feels stupid and or stressful to do. Got another incredible special guest with us today in order to provide some insider tips through the voting process and what Road versus Wade will create for us moving forward. I'm so honored and I'm so grateful for Ms. Madeline Zan to join us today. Welcome, Betty.
0: Hello. Thank you for having me. Um, so I'm Madeline. Uh, my day job is I am the executive director of the Democratic Senate Campaign Fund, which is a lot of words and usually results in a lot of confused blinking and staring <laughs> from people. Um, but I oversee and work with all the state Senate campaigns to protect our t- Democratic majority here in Colorado. Um, I'm also a member of a small donor committee board, um, which supports Democratic pro-choice women, but I'm just here today as myself with (laughs) my knowledge to talk about voting and politics and all those things. Those things for having me, Jay.
1: Yeah, thank you for being here. So, Road versus Wade. This is why, primarily why we're here. Um, I know for me, this was like my way, my platform to be able to use it in order to advocate for our rights because I mean I don't know if this is necessarily true and you could argue with me or tell me tell me fact check me whatever but um you know I saw that like nearly 70 percent of people who voted were in support of the abortion rights and that has me to believe that not a lot of people are voting for the right people.
0: Yeah overturning Roe v. Wade is massively unpopular around the country, but we have a very activist conservative Supreme Court for a lot of reasons, one of which being the conservative party and conservative members have been a lot better about getting their justices fired up and trained and onto the court um, and making that a priority for their voters. Um, I think since Roe v. Wade was originally ruled in 1972, there's just been this plan to get rid of it ever since then. And republican base voters understood that a lot better, I think, than a lot of Democratic voters, which, you know, it's really no fault to their own. If you don't know, that's going to be a problem.
1: Mm.
0: How would, you know, if you feel secure in your rights at the moment. Um, and state legislatures have been you know passing as we have seen trigger laws that went into effect Friday and over the weekend you know Republican and conservative pro-life majorities passing laws that would be go into action the second row is overturned which is sort of how we we got here and I could go into a longer rant about representation in the house versus the US House versus the US Senate because Wyoming is a teeny tiny state that has two senators and California is a gigantic extremely mm-hmm. populated state that also has two senators, oh, geez. you know, which is based on our Constitution, and that's great, but when the Senate is confirming Supreme Court justices, that can be where it is, and also a number of Supreme Court justices said when they were um, going through the confirmation process in the U.S. Senate that they wouldn't do this. There's a lot of Republican senators, Susan Collins, and a couple other more moderate-ish Republicans going, well, but they said they wouldn't. Well, <laughs> yeah. kind of, we told you so, but... Yeah. Yeah. So here we are.
1: Yeah, here we are. So in that case, Road versus Wade did get overturned. R.I.P. I I was about to say like R.I.P. to my fucking vagina, but anyway. (laughs) Not in Um, a good way. (laughs) Yeah, not in a good way. Road versus Wade did get overturned. What exactly does that mean?
0: Yeah, it means that there's no constitutional precedent and to be clear, I'm also not a lawyer. So in my layman's political person's brain, um, you know, there's no federal constitutional protection for an abortion at any stage of pregnancy or for necessarily any. It just it, essentially it sent it to the states, which, as we've seen, we are a collection of 50 very different states. So here in Colorado, we still have a right to an abortion protected anytime time here in our statutes. Um, other states, not as much or other states may have, you know, a 20 week ban or, you know, late-term abortion, different different versions, or maybe pose to pass laws or sue to get rid of current laws that are on the books because there's no longer this federal precedent to overturn that. So a lot of what it means just really depends on where you live, I and mean, there's some very scary maps.
1: Yeah. How many people, how many states have um, put that
0: yeah, um, quite a January. few. I know Colorado is one of only a couple states in the Mountain West that still provides. It's us in New Mexico right. that are essentially havens if you're anywhere from you know, Texas, Oklahoma, Nebraska. And I want to say it was 8 or 10 states that had a trigger law already set up, but I can double check that. Yeah, 13, more than... A dozen Republican-controlled states created trigger laws in, ante- in anticipation of Roe v. Wade's reversal, and then some states also have trigger laws, but they have to have other conditions met. They weren't just automatic, like a governor or attorney general or somebody has to sign off. So there are some stopgaps in a couple of states. If you know, maybe those states passed those 10 years ago, but have a Democratic governor now who's pro-choice, or you know, have mm-hmm. some gaps, but are could very easily flip that. Mm-hmm. Um, Kind of at any time. Um, And we've already seen some abortion clinics closing around the country.
1: Yeah, I just heard a story today about a person needing a uh, a required abortion Mm -hmm. in order for them to live. And they couldn't get this abortion done for over nine hours because the doctor needed their lawyer to protect them to get it done and they nearly died yeah that's the thing it's not only
0: pregnant people who are at risk it's also the doctors who are performing abortions and have been sticking their necks out and we've seen in colorado doctors be attacked and providers and you know anybody else who happens to work at an abortion clinic be attacked um by people who claim to be pro-life um and that's just going to get worse essentially and even though it is available in colorado i we don't have that many providers yeah and especially if half mm-hmm. the country is it's trying to is coming here um plus people who live in the state yeah
1: that's crazy the next thing is like what what are we gonna what can we do in order to move forward like what I think, first and foremost, actually, I'm like, maybe we need to take a breath. Because <laughs> anytime this is coming up right now, I feel massively overwhelmed.
0: Yeah, because so. I think there's a lot of that Friday, especially someone working in it, of trying to get out statements and releases and emails and all of the things, and just also having that feeling of overwhelming and panic. And mm-hmm. that also just, you know, causes mistakes and it's okay to take a deep breath and step back and figure out, you know, what can I do? Where do I fit? You know, what is safe for me?
1: Yeah. So then what do we do? Do you have any ideas? Like I know that for me, I'm like, okay, I'm using this platform. That's something I can do. I know that, but also voting. Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah. So, I mean, there's a number of things, a federal enshrinement of Roe v. Wade into law would be, Best case scenario, it did not pass the U.S. Senate earlier this year. Thank you, Joe Manchin, (laughs) as always. And that's something I think we still need to be pushing our elected representatives in Washington, D.C. to do because there's some places that are just, it's going to be tough to ever get it through a state legislature. (laughs) As well, um, I mean, here in Colorado, there's a number of organizations. I mean, obviously, Planned Parenthood of the Rocky Mountains. Cobalt Advocates is a really awesome pro-choice reproductive justice organization who also has a fund um, that they use to pay for folks coming into the state, um, whether that's paying for, you know, a hotel or okay. just paying for the care itself or whatever they need to come to Colorado. Mm-hmm. Um and so that's all there and they have a number of opportunities to get involved I believe there is going to be another anti-abortion ballot initiative on our fall ballot this year so I'm sure there'll be ways to get involved to try to vote that down and organize around it it's worth noting that Colorado has voted down about four or five of these in the past decade pretty overwhelmingly including a ban on late-term abortions which I think is even a tougher, trickier subject for people to wrap their heads around. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, we do have a primary here in Colorado on right. Tuesday. There's not a lot of primaries toward the top of the ticket. Um, Governor, Attorney General, SOS are all running. They're all incumbents running unopposed. Um, but at the state legislative level, depending on where you are, you do have a number of primaries. I know there's some up here in Adams County as well as around the state. So,
1: Okay. I know this is gonna be a rough one but can you break that down a little what the elections are because you're saying primaries mm-hmm. Being yeah honest like i know presidential yeah i can yeah. i know I that can there's other ones but yeah, from yeah my brain that so, is like, entrenched in this just like like the steps like okay this is essential because it meets here
0: mm-hmm. yeah yeah on your ballot <laughs> starting at you know the top of the ticket. You have US Senator Michael Bennett is our incumbent, one of our incumbent Democratic senators. And like I said, a lot of these races don't have have primaries. Um, and then you get into, so Congress, CD8, for anybody who lives in Adams County or Weld County is a brand new congressional district that we got this year after redistricting because our population grew enough in the state. Yadira Caraveo is actually a pediatrician and is generally pretty knowledgeable about healthcare. And then you get into your state offices, so governor, secretary of state, state treasurer, attorney general, state board of education, and all of these are also primary lists no matter where you live in Colorado. If you're voting on the Democratic ballot, this is totally different if you're voting on the Republican ballot. And then there are... One of the ones that I always get the most questions about is CU Regent. The University of Colorado is governed by a board that is elected by the state of Colorado. So those... Members of that board work with um, hiring the president of CU, which has been controversial of late, overseeing. I, and to be honest, I lose track of what they do after that. (laughs) (laughs) Because if you look at, like, CSU doesn't have this. They have a board of regents or something like that, but they're certainly not elected Hmm. by the whole state oh. um, but they correspond with all of the different congressional districts and then you have state senate which is obviously the thing that I know the best and your state house and so the state offices you know state senate districts are about 130,000 people now and I think house districts maybe somewhere around 90,000 um, there's 65 house districts 35 state senate districts in Colorado, and. Those folks, you know, those are the people who passed the Reproductive Health Equity Act this past year um, to enshrine just reproductive access in our statute, of which not a single Republican voted for, which is why it's so important to protect our pro-choice Democratic majorities here in Colorado. But Mm -hmm. that's a separate conversation. And then you get into your county-level offices, if you have any of those there. But all of these people got on the ballot either— going through caucus, um, which is a weird process, <laughs> or by getting petition signatures from people in their district um, and qualifying through the ballot that way. Huh. But so the primary, you know, there, there's an official Democratic primary, and official Republican primary. If you're an unaffiliated in Colorado, you get both ballots. Only turn in one, otherwise they won't count. Yay. And then if you're a registered Republican, registered Democrat, you just get your party's ballot. And so that's electing the people to be your that party's nominee going into the November election oh I see so you know for the people like Jared Polis and Jenna Griswold who don't have a primary right now they're essentially the de facto cool. nominee but they still have to be on the ballot if there were to be writing can- candidates you actually have to file paperwork beforehand to even have the option to have a write-in on our ballots in Colorado mm. which is different than a lot of states and then yeah I mean And as far as researching it goes...
1: Like researching your candidates? Yeah. Yeah.
0: It can be tough because some of it also requires some organizational
1: knowledge.
0: Because a lot of these candidates will go after endorsements from organizations that represent their values or represent, you know, a group of voters that they really want to say, like, I'm here for you. So, like, Cobalt, Planned Parenthood, uh, Calor is another organization. I think it's. It's specifically, like, Latina Opportunity and Reproductive Rights. They will go through their endorsement process. They'll go through labor unions, different organizations like that, environmental organizations. So some of it can be going through a lot of those organizations if, you know, you really vote on the environment and that's something you really care about, or <laughs> in this environment if it's choice, um, you can go to those organizations and, you know, usually on their Facebook or their Twitter or on their website, they'll have listed out candidates they'll endorse and typically especially if it's a competitive primary they will have gone through that process for the primary some organizations just like are like come talk to me after the primary we don't want to get involved because primaries can be messy Mm -hmm. um and they're just like we'll support who comes out of this we don't want to get in the middle of it but usually some will have started their process now at least enough to get a gist of it okay um And also, if a bunch of organizations are coming in for a candidate, then it can be a sense of, oh, they really, really care if they're coming in this early, right?
1: Mm -hmm. Mm.
0: And seeing, you know, are they supported by labor unions, choice organizations, environmental groups, and then their websites. I mean, obviously, it's written by them, but, you know, theoretically, it gives a good sense. I like scrolling through their social media as well. You know, and then asking around occasionally, especially at the smaller level with state house and state senate, there's a chance that. They'll have knocked on someone's door
1: in uh. your neighborhood,
0: and someone will have talked to them because the districts are small enough that most of our work is done trying to actually knock on people's doors and talk to them face-to-face with the candidate and answer their questions. That can sometimes be a really good validator as well if, you know, an next-door neighbor that you like is like, so-and-so came by and they seemed great, or so-and-so came by and they were awful, <laughs> you know? Yeah. That can be a lot of my recommendations tend to be, oh, I met them at this event, and they seemed really great and personable and honest, mm-hmm. and also I know all these organizations that I trust endorse them. Okay. <laughs> yeah, and then also you know sometimes they'll be it can be tough sometimes in a democratic primary sometimes people aren't that far off from each other, mm-hmm. but you know usually some of those organizations can kind of dive in and and make it more clear or you can feel comfortable knowing well all of these choice organizations endorse both of them. If that's what I care about, you know maybe there's somebody I like a little bit better, but it seems like they'd both be good, you know?
1: Yeah, it's so interesting that you talk about it in a way of, like, you know, your neighbor or seeing them in person. I don't know why, but... I see politics as the way people see money. We just don't communicate it with people. Mm -hmm. And I think maybe it's because we've gotten to such, like, a divide of Republican versus Democrat, Mm -hmm. which is really shitty, but... It's just what it is. Even just earlier, I was like, wait, is she able to, like, talk about the people that she recommends? But maybe it's just because it's socially right now that it just is, like, money. We don't talk about who, how much we make, which is dumb. Yeah, (laughs) I
0: feel like both of those things are changing a little bit, but it's sort of, like, within, like, my friends. We definitely talk about how much we make and, like, Uh how I really want to raise or, you know how much are you making at the same job that I'm also working? Mm, Right. Uh, And yeah, technically with my job, I don't personally get involved in primaries just because I work for the state party. So we try to be like (laughs) as hands-off as humanly possible, but Mm. happy to offline (laughs) give you knowledge I know about both candidates (laughs) as objectively as I can. And I mean, I think especially with choice and things coming down, things like attorney generals and attorneys general and uh district attorneys are gonna be even more important than they have been. And I think they've been rising in sort of prominence with a lot of the like criminal justice reform movement. People are realizing that a good district attorney or a, you know, a better person in the sheriff's office or surrounding law enforcement is something to focus on because they set the tone for the police departments a lot of the times in huh. those neighborhoods. Oh, okay. But I also think that as we have more and more legal challenges, having a lawyer for the state who's pro-choice or Mm. a lawyer for your community that is Mm pro-choice is going to become more meaningful as well. Hmm. Okay. But yeah, and then, I mean, it just, it keeps going. You know, county commissioner, it's going to be focusing a lot of, you know, county zoning and public lands and Mm. it's just things, you know, if you think of like Jeffco open spaces, that's all governed by the county commissioners and Jeffco county roads, all kinds of stuff like that. Um, they also make way better money than the state legislators, which <laughs> is interesting. <laughs> it's a really good job if you can get it. At the legislature, they're set in statute, and it it's tricky for them to raise their salaries because it's them voting to raise their own Salaries, mm. which I think normally we think of advocating for a raise or something as a really good thing, especially within the private sector, of you know, you yourself going and advocating for that. But when you're a politician, it gets a little
1: tricky. Morally tricky, <laughs> yeah, yeah.
0: Um, so though I do think they should probably make more than forty thousand dollars a year, but yeah,
1: hmm.
0: so and it's also cool that um, your ballot is in English and Spanish, which is great. And I think that's a bill that you, Derek Caraveo, ran actually to make sure that ballots in areas that are like more Bi- heavily bilingual. yeah bilingual have ballots that are more bilingual i did not put that together actually yeah hmm. and then don't if you are a colorado voter don't mail it back
1: it oh, <laughs> won't yeah. make it in time
0: too late get it into a drop box uh which your ballot should tell you where they are yeah like new website should tell you where they are i think
1: they're pretty i think we've been doing a really good job of like advocating for voting. So I feel like there's mm-hmm. mailboxes in yeah. quite a lot of spots. Colorado's good. Some of it can be very
0: county clerk dependent. Some counties are better than others. There's a county clerk out in Mesa County who uh, has been indicted for election fraud. Huh. Um, <laughs> but Damn. Uh, Colorado generally is very good at the voting rights and between automatic voter registration, everybody getting a mail-in ballot, being able to drop them off being able to early vote in person having the ballot in two languages you know in the fall when there's more ballot measures we'll get that blue book of like pages and pages of (laughs) descriptions of stuff which can be a lot very overwhelming (laughs) but yeah colorado's definitely better at a lot of states than at voting rights and choice
1: (laughs) Mm, yeah I feel like because of this, everyone's on a moral dilemma of what can I do? Who am I? What purpose should I make? How can I see change? What can I do to change? So my question is, how can we get actively involved to try to make change? The eternal question.
0: The eternal yeah. Question. <laughs> um, I think, you know, if you're going through your ballot and there's a candidate or candidates that you're researching and they really jump out to you and you know not necessarily all the time every single candidate is going to fire you up and make you like I want to go knock (laughs) doors or make phone calls for them you know they might be just fine but they just might not be exactly who you want to help um You know, reach out on their websites. Most campaigns will be thrilled (laughs) for more help. Occasionally have some patience with them because especially the smaller campaigns don't have a lot of staff, so sometimes it can take a minute to have people reach out and get back to you. Mm. You know, you can always reach out to... Some of those same organizations, whether it's you know Conservation Colorado or Cobalt, and see if they have other volunteer opportunities, or just get on their get on their email list, and they'll send stuff out. Right, they'll send out events, they'll send gotcha. out things like that. Um, if you're kind of not sure, to just sign up for a bunch of email lists and see what you start getting. You know, I think getting involved. I'm obviously biased, but getting involved with state senate and state house campaigns is great because they are so small that it really is being involved in your community and they're always looking for volunteers who you know can go you know knock on someone's door and say hey I'm your neighbor and I support this candidate because or phone calls or texting you know doesn't have to be knocking on someone's door or writing postcards you can reach out to you know your local county democratic party every county If you Google like Adams County Democrats or Jefferson County Democrats or Denver Democrats, you'll find their organization and they're always looking for new people. And it can be a little like bring a friend if it feels awkward to just roll into a meeting, you know, (laughs) they'll be happy to see you. uh, But, you know, it can there's safety in numbers. you know, going through all of those. And sometimes if you're kind of like, I don't know, I like everybody who's on my ballot. Sometimes those local parties or organizations will be able to direct you a little bit more. Yeah. And then, you know, if you're looking at running, there's different training organizations that are national and local. For candidates, you know, there's just different opportunities, whether that's Emerge, which trains um, women candidates. Or organizations like Run for Something, which just tend to support progressive younger candidates who are just trying to figure out how to get involved. Like, what's the next step, whether that's city council or state legislature or county-level positions? I mean, you can go to your city council meetings. Those are usually – and some of them are still hybrid thanks to – the past few years of being in a pandemic, which does make it more accessible, though, if you can sure. sit at home and listen to it online. You know, there's always plenty of things happening at the city level as well. And a lot, a lot of times, if you get engaged with someone at the city level, they might be looking at running for something else, you know, and that either opens up a seat that maybe you want to run for or mm-hmm. you can just continue to support them along their, their way. I know one of the candidates up here was um, Mayor Pro Tem of North Glen, and now oh, she's okay. running for the state house the sitting state senator was on the westminster city council before going to the house and then the senate emily's list is another good place to look for endorsements of pro-choice women specifically candidates and they also host a lot of trainings and just have a really great website and are super involved here in colorado the list probably goes on <laughs> and on. progressive turnout project you know, the Democratic Legislative Campaign Committee is an organization I work with a lot. They're, you know, if you hear about the DCCC or the DNC or whatever, they're sort of the they see all of the legislative campaigns to make sure we're flipping legislatures to the Democratic Party, but they also will have spotlighted endorsed candidates and they'll talk about what the most competitive chambers are. And you know, maybe you live in Denver and you're like I don't, everything's safe. There's no primaries on my ballot. Like, what do you want me to do? You know, go adopt, go look through a couple of websites and adopt a more competitive race. Hmm. You know, Lakewood's not that far. If you live in West Denver or if you live in North Denver, go to Adams County. But a lot of those websites can point you in the right direction. But honestly, I've noticed that most people at organizations, if you email them and say, I really want to help, I don't know where to start. They'll probably help you along the way.
1: Oh, that's and point awesome. you In the right direction. Cool. That's a lot more information, like, of just, like, resources that can help other than just the, let's donate, and let's, mm-hmm. which are very, I know, crucial. Right. I mean, I'm shocked I made it this far
0: without saying, and give money, considering I spend half my life asking <laughs> people for money. <laughs> uh, but it's not, and everybody can give money, you know, but also, and I will say that, like, monthly contributions are something that campaigns love because Mm -hmm. they can count on that money. Yeah. (laughs) Don't have to feel like you need to give hundreds or thousands of dollars, but also that time is super valuable. And, you know, a lot of times the people who give us a lot of money do it because they can't give a lot of time. You know, there's some big time lawyer and they have a lot of money, but not a lot of time. And then, you know, sometimes it's both. Sometimes people knock doors and they give 25 bucks because that's what they can give you know they're retired they don't have, they have a fixed income but they're happy to go on a walk around their neighborhood and, and talk to people yeah but there's definitely and there's ways to get involved from home with phone banks and text banking and stuff like that hmm. as well so sweet
1: thank yeah. you so much like that's really helpful again again, i'm just i feel like that was more information of like different ways to get actively involved than just what we see even on social media so
0: yeah and I mean you know occasionally social media stuff can help too sometimes you know or just amplifying if there's a candidate who's just not you know it's great when you have the like perfect Venn diagram of like candidate who's good at social media and is good at what they do but so many times that is not it. Mm. But, you know, amplifying them and sharing out thing. If you have a network, you know, pushing those things out or reaching out and saying, hi, I'm really good at social media and your Twitter sucks. <laughs> <laughs> Would you like me to help do that for you? They'd probably be like, yes. Because mm. <laughs> it takes something off their plate. you know, if you're a photographer, campaigns are always, you know, I mean, you've gotten mm. the mail pieces and seen the ads, you know, they need people taking photos and doing things like that or doing videography or you know there's usually some way to fit in kind of whatever your skills are yeah
1: so I think years ago I remember seeing somebody's website and I was like oh yeah graphic
0: design website design yeah Some
1: some can get a little rough
0: around (laughs) the edges for sure yeah especially I think the lo- the more local you get, <laughs> yeah. When you don't necessarily have the startup costs to like pay somebody to make your website look good, and then it's just like not your priority, mm, yeah. And then it just falls
1: off the rails, and right? Yeah, makes sense. I can't <laughs> judge because I don't even have a website for Wild Baby, so <laughs> anyone would like to donate their time. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's funny. Cool. Well, I know that was kind of like a lot to. Comprehend in a way. I hope that any of this was a little bit more reassuring, clear about what we can do with the primary elections. Mm-hmm. To Literally. Tuesday, to yes, yeah, like Tuesday
0: you, by 7 p.m., get your ballots in. Yeah. And here's, even if there's nothing on your ballot, but you want people who like candidates and campaigns to know that you're an active voter mm-hmm. and that maybe you lean one way or direction, get your ballot in because that helps us figure out who we should be talking to in the fall.
1: (laughs) Yeah, that's, yeah, good point. Sweet. Well, yeah, thank you again for coming on here. Super last minute. Of course. Um, We really appreciate your insight. And I would love to talk to you in November or before November to kind of help people organize their thoughts around the November election. Absolutely. Yeah, so
0: let's do it and I can if it's helpful send you a lot of links to a lot of things that I mentioned
1: (laughs) yeah absolutely that'd be amazing cool Cool. well thanks everybody thanks for tuning in turn in your ballad we will see you next week Mm -hmm. today's affirmation is instead of holding on to what I could have done I am taking action to what I can do now stay safe stay sexy wild Wild baby baby. oh we're so cute (laughs)
0: You like your cupcakes and sprinkles? Yeah. That was a good cupcake.
1: <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>